It's Richard Ellis Talks with founding pastor of Reunion Church in the heart of downtown Dallas, Richard Ellis. Whether you find yourself in a good place or a difficult place, perhaps even in a very lonely place, you've come to the right place. A place to hear that you matter, to hear that you're loved, and that's something everyone desperately needs to hear. Now, if you're not able to enjoy today's entire program, just go to the website, richardellistalks.com. All of these video talks plus hundreds of audio talks are waiting to encourage you, challenge you, and to give you hope at richardellistalks.com. So with today's talk, here's Richard Ellis. The title of today's message is Fighting Forward. We've talked around uh, here the fact that God can restore your life, redeem the years that the locusts have eaten, and you think, well, so that's it. So then I'm all good. I'm, I'm right with God. I got saved or I got put back together and that's it. That's not it. I know some guys that collect cars. I know some guys that restore cars. And one of the frustrations I probably have with people who restore automobiles is that they restore them and then they just own them. They don't drive them. They don't use them. They're like keeping them for something. Um, if you're going to restore something, use it. God is not restoring your life just to own you and show you off. I've only owned one new car in my life and I use it. And because of that, it's got some dings on it. So I'd rather end up with a restored life with some dings on it than something that's preserved, but doesn't go anywhere, doesn't do anything, doesn't accomplish anything. So today we're going to talk about fighting forward and what that looks like. Because if you simply go home, you simply go back to God and say, I'm so sorry, I've screwed up and, you know, re restore to me the joy of your salvation. He goes, okay, and you're forgiven. You go, ah, well, that was, I'm glad that's over. It ain't over, right? Because now you're just resuming what you should have done in the first place, which is fight forward and engage in the life that he saved you for and chose you, has chosen you for. So let's start in, in Numbers 11 and verse 18. Numbers 11, verse 18, in the context of this is God has heard the prayers after hundreds of years of the people in, in slavery and bondage in Egypt. And so he raises up Moses. Moses shows up, shows up when he's 80 years old and the plagues and all this mess goes down. Finally, Pharaoh says, let my people go. And they're thrilled to get out of there, but, but within days. Listen to this. Then you shall say to the people, consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow you shall eat meat. For you have wept in the hearing of the Lord, saying, who will give us meat to eat? Like, what are we going to eat? For it was well with us in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. So that's a summary little deal of a lot of complaining that went on. One of the things that's going to happen to you in your restoration, and I've driven some old cars. In fact, the first car I ever owned was an old Lincoln that a friend of my dad's restored. And I worked all summer when I was 17. I don't even remember what it cost me, but everything I made that summer went into this land yacht of a, of a Lincoln. And uh, you didn't go anywhere in that car and in some other cars that I've had without one thing. What do you think that one thing was? A little more? Jumper cables. Who said jumper cables? Raise your hand. Because uh, if I see somebody broken down, I'm going to stop and help them. Because I had more people jump me off than I, I could even begin to recount. 
So even if your old car is restored, you say, well, it should be, it should be set. It can still break down. And I know some people along the way, but literally right now in the process that God is turning their life around. They've repented. They've yielded. They're saying, okay, God, I get it. Let's do this. And then the devil starts talking to them about meat in Egypt and how good it was back there and how easy it was back there. What the devil will remind you of is the pleasure of sin, never the consequence of sin. And so you got to find a way not to just sit on your butt, but get up and fight forward or the past will come nipping at you. Because there is something back there. It doesn't work, but there is something back there. Galatians chapter 1. Um, so thank God for screwed up people or we wouldn't have a Bible. If you, if you went in and had a team of editors take the Bible and say, get rid of all the imperfect people, all the imperfections, let's clean it up. You got a pamphlet to put by your toilet. That's all you got. Right? You keep the red letters, um, creation story, but pretty fast, right after creation, Adam and Eve, boom. It's, it's a nightmare. And one man, one woman, they fall, and the whole thing dominoes into the future. Um, and one of these people is Paul. And in Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, he says, For you have heard of my former conduct in Judaism, how I persecuted the church of God beyond measure and tried to destroy it. That is in his past. You cannot live forward thinking about your past. Now, if I stopped in just this room and looked around, uh, I know enough stories in the room, and I'm thinking about some friends of mine who have such debris fields and such chaos in their past that there are times, and I've actually asked one of them, how do you manage the way the enemy either does or can attack you with just your past? Beat your brains in with your past. How do you keep moving forward? Because it, what I see and what I know about their lives, it's just catastrophic failure. Now, they're walking with God, they're restored, it's moving forward. But I've got enough crazy stuff where the enemy pounds on me and tries to get me derailed. And you have to say, no, I'm not playing that game. I'm going to keep moving. Now, I think everybody in here and everybody listening or watching somewhere else knows exactly what I'm talking about. The enemy cannot condemn you. All the enemy can do is accuse you. And God is not going to condemn you. He's the one that justifies. The only person who can condemn a child of God is a child of God. So if you choose to listen to what the enemy says about your past and sentence yourself and condemn yourself, you're doing time that you condemned yourself to do. Nobody else. You don't have to be in that prison. You don't have to live in that cell unless that's part of your cop-out and excuse for not moving forward. Oh, you know, I'm just a, this, don't ever say this. I'm just a sinner saved by grace. If that's all you are, you're not going to make it very far. You better be more than just a sinner, right? 
You are a child of the king. You have all the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in him. You cannot say, I can't because I don't. I don't have this or that. You can. It's just a choice of whether you're going to get up off your butt and fight forward. Now you say, well, I'm in a bad spot. Well, let's help you get past that bad spot and get on with this. Galatians uh, 6. Now, uh, again, I'm trying to take you from you repent, you become a Christian, and assuming, let's say you got out there, you got away from God, and you decided to come home. And he restores to you everything. And he is restoring what the locusts have eaten. He's your back up to speed. You're moving. It is not just to have that stuff. It's for God to use your life. So very practically in Galatians 6.1, brethren, written to Christians then, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, so you see someone, they get taken out by a sin. You who are spiritual. Now, I, I don't recommend everybody try this. If you're a hypocrite busybody, do not try this at home or anywhere. This specifically says you who are spiritual restore. If you have not been restored, you're not going to be, be very good at restoring. Right? You'll be able to wag your finger, tell them they're going to hell. God's going to punish you. You're, gonna, you're just angry. Be angry at the devil. Be brokenhearted for the person. And you can get frustrated with people. Um, it's okay to get frustrated with people. But make sure you know that it's because you love them, not that, that you're mad just because you're mad. If a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. And the word picture for this I've shared before is if your arm is broken and a doctor is setting the bone, going to put a cast on it, that is you who are spiritual, qualified, know what you're doing. This is going to hurt a little bit, but I'm going to gently set this bone again so that it will heal properly. Not, oh my gosh, your arm's broken. I bet that hurts right? What are you, crazy? If you've broken your arm and someone has done it for you and you know what you're doing, you can go, wow, I, I appreciated their gentleness. I'm going to use that same tactic with this person. Then people sometimes don't mind being restored because they're in pain. They know they're in trouble. They need a spiritual person to come along and help them in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. What does that mean? Because you don't do well by yourself. It's just a fact. So be careful considering yourself. You get in that situation trying to help someone else. You get pulled in trying to help somebody. Keep reading. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives, he deceives himself. Oh, I'm somebody. Dude, you're, you are saved by grace. You're a child of the king. Be careful how you approach these things. But let each one examine his own work, and then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he, also, he, that he will also reap. For he who sows to the flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. 
But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. So the assumption is you're going you're to sow good, you're going to, that crop is going to come in. So don't grow weary in doing the right thing, your crop's coming. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. A lot of people go to churches where they can walk in, they can sit down, they find a pillar in the church, and they hide behind it so nobody can really see them. They maybe write a little check. Maybe there's a little meet and greet and, I'm so glad. You know, whatever the song is, shake a hand. Okay, I'm out. Well, you know, we're not going to do a little interacting so they sit, they listen, they sing, they write a little check, they go home, and they went to church, which is biblically impossible. It's not a place, it's a people. So if you're a part of a church, and unless you're a part of a dysfunctional family that nobody cares about anybody, right? You walk in here, I walk around this room and look in people's eyes. And you can ask them one time, how are you doing? Or how are you doing? You know, wherever they're from. You say, how are you doing? And they might say, fine. And you keep looking and say, no, how are you doing? Like, wow, it's been a tough week. It's game on. Now, if they say fine and you go, okay, I really believe them, then okay, maybe they're in a position to help someone else. You expect me to show up prepared to do this. I expect you to show up prepared to do that. Not as many claps as I was looking for, but that, that'll be okay. You say, well, you're just lucky I came. No, I'm not. Oh, I just barely made it. I dragged myself out of bed. I came to church. You should be happy. No, I'm not happy. Not if you've been doing that for 10 or 20 years like that. If you just got saved and you're hanging on by a thread, we're going to help you. But if you don't start showing up here with some ability to engage someone else, people go, oh, I went to church. I didn't get much out of it. What'd you put into it? Well, they're supposed to serve me. I, I gave $5 and I didn't get my money's worth, right? <laughs> that music wasn't very good. They, I didn't like that song and I didn't like his shirt. And I didn't like, and I didn't, I had to walk too far from my car. Dude, let me say this as gently as I can. You need to grow up. If you show up, sooner or later you have to grow up so that you can help someone else. You say, but I come to church to get, to get fed. Now listen, I'm okay with that for a while. If you ain't eating at the house, this is not going to be enough for you. If you go to one feeding a week or a month and go, oh, I, I just went to be fed, what is supposed to be happening is you realize, wait a minute, if he's reading all that stuff out of the scriptures and that's in the scriptures, I'm going to go home and read some more every day. Then by the time you get back here, you're full. And you're not, you're not coming in running the radar going, I wonder if he's going to say anything cool or interesting. You're saying, Lord, I bet I'm there for somebody else. Who am I there for? And then the Holy Spirit says, that lady over there, that guy over there, that young person over there, go talk to them. And you go, okay, game on. Hey, what are you guys doing for lunch? Why don't you go with us? 
But see, if you're so preoccupied about you and your little retired Christian life, be careful. I'm not talking about old people retired from their jobs. I'm talking about any Christian retired from Christianity where you just checked out and thought, I'm good, waiting for Jesus to come. But don't have time for your problems. What are you going to do with these verses? Sow seed, hang in there in due time. Your crop will come in. Don't grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Um, it takes a while to get there. I'll give you that. Anybody grew up on a farm? Raise your hand. You grew up on a farm. Um, how long from when you plant corn till you harvest corn? Does anybody have an answer to that question? Normally. How many? No, when you plant the corn in the ground to when you harvest it and you got corn on the cob in your hand. Six months. See, you know that. But if you plant corn and you give up at three months, you got no corn. Ah, oh, we wasted our money on that seed. Sorry, corn. You want to buy my land? It don't grow corn. You sure? Oh, no, we tried, man. We waited three months, no corn. Got these stupid little plants that came out. We, we were looking for corn on the cob, and three months in, we got nothing. Well, some wise farmer goes, ooh, you should have waited three more months, dude, because I'm about to sell all your corn. You got to get a little corn under your belt so you don't give up so easily. He said, okay, Lord, I'm going to keep doing the right thing because my book says... In due time, I will reap. And then all of a sudden you look up and your crop's coming in. You go, wow, that's amazing. Let's sow some more seed. Philippians 3, verse 1. Finally, my brethren, he's speaking specifically to Christians, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Keeps repeating himself in all these letters a lot of times. Why? Because they need to be reminded. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, and not talking about specific dogs, it's, it's talking about certain kinds of people. Beware of the mutilation, people who are saying you have to be circumcised to be a Christian. For we are, the, we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh, though I also might have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So he's saying, oh, you want to play the flesh game, like who you are, where you're from? Oh, I can bring it. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, or the King James Version says dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him, and the power of, res of his resurrection, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. 
Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has laid hold on me. And I've done this multiple times here. God grabs you and says, I got you. And this, this picture for me in this verse is I grab him back and say, why did you grab me? So you don't just let him take your arm. You grab back on his arm and say, okay, you laid hold of me. Now I'm going to lay hold of you and find out why you got a hold of my life. Find out why he chose you. We got a guy, I've mentioned this before, Joseph, one of our elders, feels called to as a, as a chaplain in the hospitals. He goes in a hospital. Some lady shared today, been praying for five days that a chaplain would show up. He shows up. You got to become the answer to somebody's prayer. Even if they don't acknowledge that, that anything has happened, they may be so freaked out they don't know what to say. You show up and they go, oh my gosh, this is what I prayed for. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. I'm not telling you that I have arrived. I got this completely figured out. But one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind. So all that stuff, even my accolades, even my credentials, all of that stuff, the, the sin, the good, the bad, everything, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So you push, you push, you press, you say, okay, that's the goal, keep running. Uh, I, I like watching the Tour de France, and especially the mountain climbs. There's an extraordinary thing that happens on those mountains. There are people that go camp out for days, it looks like, along those mountain roads. And they're waiting for the peloton to come through that chute. And what they do, which is so nuts and no one stops it, is these, these cyclists are coming up the hill, pedaling with everything they've got, trying to make that climb. And the crowd presses in. They get in the middle of the road, in front of the riders, trying to get on TV or whatever they're doing, or touch the rider. And if the rider stops, the, the race is over for them. They have to ride right into the crowd and expect and assume it will part. You cannot be distracted by what's in front of you. You say, Lord, I'm going by faith and I'm assuming that you're going to part the waters and I'm going to keep moving. Oh, but they're calling me names. They're throwing stuff at me. Stop being shocked by what the scripture says. It could and will happen to you. You're going to be persecuted. You're going to suffer. Keep peddling. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Because eventually what happens on those races is they reach the top of the mountain. And there ain't nobody on the other side getting in the way. And they are hauling down the other side of that mountain. So hang in there. You say, well, I don't think I'm going to make it. Then tell someone else that you don't think you're going to make it and let them help carry the load. Why are we so big on discipleship? So no one ends up alone. Even Jesus was not alone. There were times he went off by himself, but he had those guys with him all the time. That's probably good. And our Father, 
Um, I know I'm not the only person that gets discouraged, uh, that gets shot at and clipped by an arrow. And so I pray for anyone who's taken a hit and they are down and starting to believe they're down for the count. I thank you that it's a very long count. And that with your help, as if we're Christians from the inside out, you're going to help us get back up on our feet and you're going to send people to help it, help the process. Help us not live in isolation alone, thinking we can just kind of even sneak in a church and sneak out and we don't have to worry about anybody else's problems. The problem is they don't have to worry about yours either. And so buddy, nobody knows what's going on with you and can be in a position to help. So I pray, Lord, for anybody who's weary, heavy laden, um, that you'd give them the ability to lift up the hands that hang down, strengthen feeble knees, people who are processing sickness, who are processing economic challenges, whatever it is, Lord, trying to live a godly life, what you intended, and getting nothing but pushback. I pray wind in their sails, Lord. I pray encouragement for them. I pray healing for their heart, their mind, their soul, their, their bodies. And that we would be encouraged today to hang on. Because wherever there's seed, there's a crop. And it's usually not far away. Father, for anybody who does not know you personally, they, they may know things about you. They may be able to quote some scripture. But if it got down to do they know you personally, have a relationship with you, the answer would be no, and they want to see that changed. And it is this simple. They pray a simple prayer, have a conversation with you, and say, God, I know I am a sinner, and I need your forgiveness. I believe that Jesus died on the cross, was buried and raised from the dead to forgive me of my sins and to offer me eternal life as a free gift. I accept the forgiveness of my sins. I accept eternal life. I ask you to move into my physical body in the person of the Holy Spirit and fill me from the inside out. Save me. Redeem me. Restore me. Make me the person that you wanted me to be from in the first place. Thank you for loving me, for being patient with me, and that you're going to continue to do the same. Uh, that I'm your child and no one can separate us. No one can take me out of your hand. Now use my life. Help me grow up and get to a place where I can have my own kids spiritually and raise those kids and be an encouragement and help people the way I've been helped and will be helped in the days ahead. Father, we love you. We thank you. Uh, it would be tons better to be there with you. But we are here and there's a reason we believe that. I, I pray that we would get about that, Lord, and pay attention to the opportunities that we have with believers and non-believers to challenge, gently restore people, and live the life you intended. Thank you for the tremendous privilege we have to be in your family and to, to represent your name in a world that is dead, dying, hurting, and needs a Savior. We thank you, we praise you, we trust you, and pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. We'd love to keep this conversation going with you anytime on the website richardellistalks.com.
There you'll find the full version of today's talk, plus hundreds more of Richard's challenging and encouraging audio and video talks. Then discover over a thousand cities where Richard Ellis Talks is broadcast. Or you can share a request on the prayer wall. Plus, if you'd like to consider a gift, learn how to join the financial partnership team and so much more at richardellistalks.com. So let's meet again here next time to talk about how God is ready to change your life starting today with Richard Ellis Talks.